evening. Welcome. So I'm just going to ask for questions tonight. I have been busy with some other things, writing on my book, and I haven't really looked at the prayers of Brahma where we left off. We have to pick up on that. Maybe, maybe tomorrow we'll get back to that. There's a lot of them there. Um, so for tonight, we'll take questions. Any questions? Yes, Dumal Chandra. The other evening you mentioned uh, relationship and taking shelter of Purvacharyas. Uh, you mentioned specifically like offering prayers to Srila Rupa Goswami and Samadhi. And currently there's a, a trend that the Purvacharya, our spiritual master, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Sri Prabhupada, is looked upon by not only his direct disciples, but disciples of his disciples and disciples of his disciples' disciples as their primary shiksha guru. I'm wondering if you could give a little guidance on how in the sadhika and practical application should take shelter of the Diksha Guru, the various Shiksha Gurus, and the Purva Acharyas in order that he makes sound progress and has a clear understanding regarding the different functions of these hmm. preceptors. No, that's a good, uh, good question. There are three distinct uh, manifestations of the of divinity and guru tattva so you have the initiating guru and uh, typically the initiating guru is also the the, the siksha guru um, but there may be reason for having a plurality of siksha gurus too or in that case one other one <laughs> or or more even depend on the on the circumstances um, and, um, you know, in one sense, I think I mentioned earlier, the philosophy is, is singular, it's um, obeyed, and the application of it is bade, variegated. So, um, uh, there may be, for example, if we embrace the same philosophy, they still may arise different bhavas, make them or different preferences for service and according to circumstance and so forth. Um, so singular initiating guru, possibility of plurality of of um, initiating guru, uh, gurus, and also in one sense that the teaching is one and uh, philosophy is one. But how to apply it in many ways? I guess I'm saying the same thing. So, Sambandha and Abhideya, Diksha and Siksha could be looked at like that. Abhideya means the way to practice, and um, in that there are details and there are principles and there's adjustment of them and so on and so forth. Um, out of the one philosophy. So, at any rate, Diksha Guru, Siksha Guru, we talked about that a little bit, and then the Purvacharya concept. We talked about that also. Purvacharya again means so Purva means previous, so or or after, after, 
uh, anyway, before, 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 he's after the fact, but he's before, <laughs> he's before. So the earlier, poor, previously he was the Acharya, now he is the poor Acharya, he's the previous Acharya. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there is a way to be in touch with him or her as well. And so there may be some confusion, as you say, about all of these three different uh, manifestations of divinity. And um, you cite an example of some seeing Prabhupada as the disciples and disciples of his disciples and so forth. Um, uh, thinking of Prabhupada as their primary Siksha Guru and how that, that could be a problem. It's a problem um, in a couple of ways, I would say. One is that um, his capacity, Prabhupada's, or any Purvacharya, which would be, I think, a more appropriate way to refer to Prabhupada, as we do to Bhaktisiddhanta Bhaktivinoda and on down the line, we refer to them as previous acharyas, as Prabhupada also referred to them rather as rather than as Siksha Gurus. Sometimes we refer to the Goswamis, the founding Acharyas of the Sampradaya, as the Shastra Gurus, because they wrote the Shastras, um, our Bhakti Shastras, like what has become a scriptural canon for us that that is not necessarily for other Sampradayas, our Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, our Chaitanya Charitamrita, our Brihat Bhagavatamrita, um, our Ujwal Nimani, and so many other books of the Goswamis, these all constitute our founding Acharya's interpretation of the more uh, widely accepted uh, uh, scriptures like the Upanishads, the Gita, the Bhagavat, Puranas, and so forth, that all the different uh, Sampradayas uh, draw from and consider to be forms of, of revelation. So they're important, but their interpretation is important. It's what forms any particular sampradaya. So we have a number, quite a quite a, a legacy of of uh, transcendental literature that has been penned by the founding acharyas, who took, so to speak, the as I've said before, the ecstasy that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, the very 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 personification of ecstasy. I've likened him to a waterfall, uh, like Mars told me. He was up in Canada near the Niagara Falls in recent times. I never had a chance to go there, but I've seen the pictures, so you had to kind of step back from that. Niagara Falls, that is a magnificent uh, display of uh, natural power and so forth. So if we were to compare Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with the figure in religious history in the world that uh, most, uh, objectively speaking, embodies... um, uh, um, ecstasy. There are many ecstatics, if you will, in different lineages and in different traditions, even. But the the measure and the extent of the Chait, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasy is, is very extraordinary. It's been documented um, by a number of learned people at the time. You know, the witnesses of that, and uh, and those coming just after those witnesses, having heard from them, and so forth. And um, there's just too much, um, I want to say, um, concordance or... 
Hmm? No agreement amongst them. Hmm? Even the details may be different, and maybe they may even exercise poetic license to speak about him and what he did and so on and so forth. You, you can't uh, get away from the perception um, uh, of him as embodiment embodiment of ecstasy. I mean, for that matter, Rupa Goswami wrote a whole book about the ecstasy of Bhakti Rasa. Hmm. You can wear a t-shirt that says, Be in the Bhav. we got a book about it. What kind of Bhav is it? Is it this Bhav? Is it is a Sanjari Bhav? Is it a Bhav? Is it a Sattvika Bhav? Is it a Bhava Bhas? What kind of Bhava Bhas is it? Is it Pratibhimba Bhava Bhas? Or is it a Chai Bhava Bhas? Is it, uh, is it the Bhava before Prima? Or is it the Bhava that comes after Prima? Or is it Maha Bhav? You know, we, we just go on. Uh, so it's... Uh, it's something that we uh, excel in, if you will, that's very much central to our uh, tradition. I said before that when I first uh, began to write, out of necessity, as Prabhupada said, necessity is the mother of invention, that time I couldn't get Prabhupada's books to sell, so I began to write and I started a magazine, we call it Clarion Call, which was a, a term, an English term that Bhaktisiddhanta used to refer to Krishna's flute sound and the final kind of call, if you will, at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, um, a rally to, you know, to the to, uh, to the occasion, a hand of, of uh, dealing with the, with the opportunity and the necessity uh, that before us. So, at any rate, we did thematic issues every quarter. Remember Yogamaya? Yeah. You were there then. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so uh, one of the issues we did was on ecstasy, and the front picture was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Rathayatra, and that uh, was the biggest seller at the time. Of course, as I said before, I didn't know that there was a drug called ecstasy also <laughs> that was being used. But, but, it's a, but anyway, it's a popular uh, topic. I mean, everyone is really looking for, in one sense, a, an experience that transcends or extends beyond what we thought were the limits of our senses. Hmm? That's what I've said before. Is what everybody you know celebrates when someone goes one ten thousandth of a second faster than the other person the previous year. He gets a gold medal, and she's celebrated throughout the world for that because she's gone beyond what we thought were the limits of the senses. And ecstasy means an experience um, beyond the senses. The mind being the sixth of them, so beyond the mind. Everybody is looking for themselves, right? That they are a unit of Atmananda, and then that self has a potential for Bhakti Ananda, which is the subject of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Mm-hmm. Doesn't stop with Atmananda, but what is the potential of of the pursuit of ecstasy and transcendence, where you meet a significant transcendental other mm-hmm. to interact with? You have self love, self joy, self ecstasy. What if you could? Exchange uh, and, and interrelate with with the, the fountainhead of ecstasy. Krishna is, is Rasaraj, as he's termed. So, so you know, it's very different. You have Brahman, you have Bhagawan Narayan. Uh, Krishna is termed Rasaraj, Akila Rasamrita Murti. So the, the very form of 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 rasa, of ecstasy, Rasovai Saha. Brahman is rasa. It's a it's a it's a very 
unique uh, concept theologically. And so it's really where we kind of pick up, where others kind of leave off. It's our kind of um, where we excel, if you will. Um, and of course, given the theory of who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, it make it makes sense that uh, that he, that he, he that, that we should excel in topics like the essence of the Brajlila and, and uh, Krishna's most introspective moments in search of rasa and for taste and so forth. So. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, objectively speaking, is really the most extraordinary uh, figure, uh, religious figure, um, in terms of being a personification of ecstasy. There may be others who wrote more, he didn't write anything or did, but this is his uh, contribution and, and that should be written about quite a bit. Um, and that is, my point, what the Goswamis did. They took the ecstasy, which is the waterfall of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that you, what, what can you make of it? Hmm? Um, and they made something of it. They institutionalized in a soft way the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through the writing of their books and made that ecstasy approachable by way of locating it on the scriptural map that everybody in the different lineages would would draw from, whether they be the Sampradaya or that Sampradaya, and they showed this is who this is what he is, hmm? and it comes to this: he's Krishna, and he's in the mood of Radha, and so they did all that um, homework, if you will. So their books took the waterfall of his ecstasy and turned it into a lake that then we could drink from, bathe in, uh, take advantage of, hmm? in ways that we could not um, otherwise. So in that sense, they are sometimes referred to as our shastra gurus, but they're purvacharyas. Hmm? And their books, uh, of course, are followed by all of our acharyas by way of commenting on them. Hmm? And uh, what Prabhupada just once said that um, I think that the teachings of Lord Chaitanya was the only book that he wrote. Everything else was a commentary on somebody else's book. Hmm? The Krishna book was a commentary on the tenth canto of Chaitanya of Srimad Bhagavatam. Nectar Devotion was a commentary on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the Gita. He, he wrote a commentary on the Gita, he wrote a commentary on the Bhagavatam. Um, this was his original book. He wrote some other smaller books. I think he wrote Easy Journey to Other Planets, and uh, which could really have a catchy title in the 60s and 70s there. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, point being that um, typically... We whether we whether we write a commentary or write our own book, we're really writing on and further explaining, drawing from, and and uh, shedding light on the implications of significance of the basic interpretation of the greater body of shastras that we call Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as it's embodied in Bhakti Rasamrita and Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, the commentaries on Bhagavatam, Brihat Bhagavatamrita, and so on and so forth. So, so Purvacharyas, they often have, have left a literary uh, contribution as well, and certainly through our, uh, uh, as I said, when we were initiated, we enter into a whole uh, lineage, a whole family of such a charges, and um, we have then 
their books are there, if, if, if we can speak the language or if they're, they're rendered in our language to draw from. Uh, what we'll often find, of course, is that we'll find the commentaries and the books of the current Acharya are easier to understand. Hmm. Hmm. They're more compelling. Hmm. Um, and they kind of hit home uh, more because they're written for a, at the particular time and considering the consideration of the present audience and with the thoughts on the part of the author of what people might be thinking and how they might respond and trying to answer all of those. So whenever this eternal truth is spoken in certain circumstances, it's going to have power for all time, but particularly in those times. So you can go back and look for example, at the commentary of Jiva Goswami on on some verses and not be able to make much out of it, even if it's a good English translation. Because many things he's already assuming, because his audience is a particular audience, he's assumed they know this. And so he just says half a verse here, and you're supposed to know what it is, where it comes from, and verse everybody knew at the time, or a concept. He's drawing on the, in, in Sanatana and others all, but they're drawing on the principal philosophies of the time, Sankhya, Yoga, um, Karma Mimamsa, Advaita Vedanta, uh, Nyaya, Vaisheshika. These are the the current uh, thoughts, streams of the time, and interpretations, other interpretations of the uh, of the um, uh, the Veda, for example. Um, so, if you don't know Nyaya, you don't know. You can't really fully appreciate maybe what's the point he's making or why he's making it. And, um, and again, he's addressing the people of the time, and uh, he may be making points that you, you figured out in your time in a different way. And, it, and, it's, and so they're not, they're, they're, they're very useful, they're very valuable um, to us, should be preserved and so forth. And if one is a scholar, then he can dive in there and take advantage of that further. But the real advantage is bringing it out and writing about it. I wrote a book, a commentary, I should say, on the Gopal Tapani Upanishad. And um, in writing it, I was drawing, to some extent, from a commentary of Prabodhananda Saraswati that had been um, translated by uh, Jagadananda, a friend of mine. And uh, he gave kind of a rough you know, translation, but we know the philosophy, so I can pick up, this is what's being said, this is the gist of it here, and, and so forth, and, and so on. So I would quote Prabodhananda Saraswati here and there, and, and then write something and so, as, as is appropriate. And one of my godbrothers, Giriraj Swami, told me, he said, you know, I, I, I read your book, uh, Gopal Tapani Upanishad Commentary. I said, oh, well, how did you like it? He said, he said, well, at first I was reading it, and I was thinking, no, okay, which part is Prabodhananda Saraswati's comment, which is coming from Tripurari Maharaj, you know, I want to differentiate between the two here, you know. So, but it was all woven together, and, and, and as I got into it, I just became so blissful, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it worked for him. Um, uh, so, the point is to tastefully, you know, a scholar can tastefully bring out his sight here, or need be, and then have his own inspiration, and so on and so forth. And 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 that will really be a, a probably a more user-friendly and valuable contribution than just literal translation of what so-and-so said, although that has use and value and uh, as well. Hmm. Um, 
some along these lines, somebody else had asked me something some weeks back um, about some of the ways certain things are said in the Bhagavatam, how to think about them, and and uh, he was one of my students had been reading, and, and so I gave him the answers and so forth. And then afterwards, he wrote me and said, you know, he said, for me, I just read your books, and then it's all I don't have any of these kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Because you always deal with it, you know, in the, according to the time and the circumstance. And I had said to him, I was just about to write you and say, you just read my books, and you don't have to have these questions, you know. Uh, so, so the current, hmm, uh, there needs to be an ongoing current of such writing, and there needs to be a preservation of the previous writings, and they can be taken advantage of to some extent. Um, so the poor vacharyas are there. And their books are there. So one of the ways to take advantage of the poor vacharyas is, is to become acquainted with their texts, their arguments in their time. But the best way to be able to do that is through, excuse me, the medium of the present acharya, who, who in Prabhupada's um, own words, um, his first contribution has to be should be a literary contribution. <laughs> he says that somewhere in his books. The Charya must make a literary contribution. I remember when I wrote a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, there was a cue and a what did they cry? Hmm. What is this? You know, he thinks he's writing a can write a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. Some people said and my Gabbardhana Shingamar said, Well, it is the basic book, the most basic book of the Sampradaya. At least he ought to be able to write a commentary on that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, later, of course, then, having led the way, if you will, other commentaries by God brothers and God sisters of mine have popped up here and there and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took the flack for them. Mm-hmm. I took the, the criticism and so forth. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, we, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make a literary contribution, and um, and to and 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 really to acquaint. The students. I mean, I became acquainted with the previous acharyas through Prabhupada's writing because he would always quote them, and I thought, "Wow, <laughs> he knows that, and he knows this this author and that author." And I was interested in their their books by way of introduction to their things they had said and 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 so forth by by Prabhupada. Um, so uh, there's first of all, so there's no replacement, you know, for the present guru that there's some previous acharya who's a better um, siksha guru and that's a blurring of terms in itself as well because we've distinguished between a diksha guru, a siksha guru and a purva acharya. Hmm? Right? Acharya may be a diksha guru, acharya may be a siksha guru and acharya may be a purva acharya. It means he was present as the acharya commenting according to the time and circumstances and now he's gone on. Let him go. Hmm? Krishna has called him there. You want him to remain here in the same way that he was here, then you're disagreeing with Krishna, who wants him in another capacity. Hmm? Right? He wants him in his Nitya and you want him to remain here in the capacity that he was here. Krishna says, I'm taking him within my fold, and in some capacity, he's also available to you as a purvacharya, but not as a siksha guru, hmm? or what to speak of as the 
the prominent Siksha Guru. Hmm. Now, sometimes a comparison is made between Prabhupada and, let's say, Madhva or Ramanuja, who are the main, uh, who are the Shastra Gurus, if you will, of their Sampradayas. But we can't make that comparison because we have our own Shastra Gurus already that Prabhupada is commenting on and so forth, as I've explained. Hmm? Um, and so we can't look in that way at Prabhupada's Siksha and his writings as we look at Ramanuja's writings in his Sampradaya, which are the basis of other writings and commentaries or Madhva's uh, dissertation, his his commentary on the Brahma Sutras, that is the basis of all commentaries in the Sampradaya, because the basis of all commentaries and all texts in our Sampradayas are the works of our Shastra Gurus, the founding Acharyas, Rupa Sanatan, Jiva Goswami, up to Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. Hmm? Um, so, follow? So, um, so, there's two things there. If we conflate Siksha Guru with the Purvacharya, Siksha Guru is, is someone that uh, should be able to give relevant instructions on, uh, I think that Prabhupada defines it like this, based on the revealed scripture. And the implication would be relevant according to time and, and circumstances. Hmm? Well, with the time and circumstances changing, once the previous acharya has become a previous acharya, then he can't or she can't weigh in in the ways that a Siksha Guru could upon uh, details that have changed and so forth. Hmm? So they have spoken, and they have spoken according to time and circumstance, and they are ex existing in a way that they can be contacted, but not in a way they cannot be contacted and taken advantage of in a way so such as to replace the the the, the diksha guru or the siksha guru, hmm? right in the in the present. Hmm? Um, so, for that matter, how will we pray to Rupa Goswami or Jiva Goswami? What what will we you know uh, pray for? We 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 will pray to be able to follow our guru, you know, properly, to, um, that would be, you know, if you, if you, if you approach them independent of your guru, if someone comes to me and says, hey, Guru Maharaj, I'd like to do this today, I say, well, check it out with Bhakti Rasa. Sounds good. Talk to Bhakti Rasa here at Sargrahi. Hmm? If someone is trying to get around bhakti rasa, you know, in terms of doing it, I don't have an ear for that. It does, does, you can't. That's fine, good. That's good. I think it's a good idea, but you check it out with her because she's there, dealing with things day to day, and she knows and so forth. And uh, so she's my eyes and ears and hands and legs in terms of everything that's that's going on at uh, uh, day to day. Here at Ananda Ashram, hmm? you understand. So the same principle holds. If I go to Rupa Goswami and 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 it's out of out of some sense that my my present guru is, you know, is is being minimized, then that's not going to be 
a way to draw his grace. Indeed, we should try to get his grace to, to follow our our guru. Hmm. Um, um, get his blessings to be able to apply ourselves in the ways in which our guru expects us to. Hmm. Um, so there is a way to approach, and there is a way to take advantage of their holiness and their uh, their uh, um, uh, transcendental reality, even you know if it is, as I say, in the fold of of Krishna Lila. Hmm. But it's not such that that can be replaced how we approach and the need to approach and be under the guidance of the present uh, guru, Siksha Guru, Diksha Guru. And Siksha is, of course, very... Mm, uh, there may be many things about uh, 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 different types of Siksha. It's a, you, know, you can use it in a broad way or you can use it in a, in a looser, looser way. But we um, uh, would not. Uh, we don't typically find in the tradition reference to purvacharyas as siksha gurus. They tend to be referred to with regard to the present and with regard to um, some further uh, guidance in combination with the Diksha Guru, who can be both the Siksha Guru and the Diksha Guru, as I've said, or if by chance of circumstance we don't we aren't in his or her company and we need a Siksha Guru, then that can be taken advantage of. Hmm. This is the basic idea. So you you really want to understand these three concepts properly. You want to take advantage of all three of them approach, if, if that may be the case, if I have a Siksha Guru and a Diksha Guru, um, and then if I have, of course, if I have the Purvacharis, you want, but you want to do it right, otherwise you can get a backwards result. You can certainly incur their, their displeasure by doing it the wrong way. Some people say, well, you know, you, they have that one side of it, you can't step over Prabhupada, hmm? which means, which kind of is interpreted as you can't read any of the Purvacharis books, you know, there are no they kind of say it the way I've said it, but it's quite quite different. You know, we should only read Prabhupada's book. Of course, of course, Prabhupada's now a poor vicharya. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the same thing uh, uh, applies. You, 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 there's new books now. They're they're important. Uh, um, so so anyway, yeah. There's a way to approach everybody and take advantage of them. But one doesn't replace the other. And um, trying to make a poor guru. A purvacharya might more relevant in my life than a diksha guru and a stiksha guru just misunderstands the capacity of the purvacharya to um, uh, share his or her association and blessings. It's in an entirely different situation. If you think that the guru has left and entered the nitya lila, well, hmm. It's not like, you know, uh, he goes home at night and gets on the internet and checks out what's on dundavats.com or something like that to see how the mission's going, you know. But he is available. He should be venerated and, and, you know, prayed to, but with the right understanding what what to draw from. 
you can pray that I could represent you now in a way and that you would expect, you know, and that, or that you could, there, you could guide me to find someone, uh, you know, who represents you in the world today that I could, in that way, take advantage. With proper understanding, then all, uh, then uh, you can approach and get the desired result. But if you don't have the proper understanding, you may incur their displeasure. Does that help? Yeah. Okay, yes. What kind of confounds all this, it seems, is the institution, because uh, I don't know if there's a term in, in the past for someone who starts an institution, but we, it, ironically, we're all devotees pretty much because of institutions at the same time. So it seems like in this whole discussion of those three categories, then you have the founder of an institution, and it seems like in the name of preserving his mood, so many problems come about that you've been talking about. Well, I think there's two. There's the two forms of institution. There's the institutionalization of the of the ecstasy of Chaitanya in the form of books, and then there's the the forming of a formal kind of institution, which is a kind of a harder form of the institution, and the books a softer form of institutionalizing. Both with a view to help us take advantage of the teachings uh, of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embodied. But the uh, forming of institutions um, is more of a modern um, phenomenon. And uh, I believe that prominent, at least in that is the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur that was formed to try to give some shape to the ambition of Bhakti Vinod to share these teachings throughout the world. Hmm? And of course, Prabhupada followed in the footsteps and, and, and with the break of Bhagavad Mati formed another institution. And it's true that uh, the, the Acharya who forms an institution is the founding Acharya of the institution. Um, so you have to work that within the idea that he's the founder, that there's a founder Acharya to the Sampradaya. And and if, if you're clear on these points, then I don't see any problem. And you, you, you make the distinction. And um, you may want the institution to carry the mood of the, uh, of, the of its founder Acharya. Um, and therefore you may preserve certain ways of doing things that you know he liked and were um, um, represented his or her mood and there would be a strong sentiment for that especially for the immediate disciples that they related in that way and they liked those songs and this they did it this to this at that time and so forth um, so there's uh, much uh, room for that but you don't want to let that overshadow teachings and and also uh, obscure uh, the difference between details and principles. And while there may be details that you want to preserve because they, they foster a certain sentiment and remind us, uh, so to speak, at least the, the first generation will remind them of... Um, and in you know, those details of how Prabhupada did things, for example, they are you know extensions of what he was like as a as a person, as a Vaishnav. But you know, if in the context of doing that, we find that the details are getting in the way of 
understanding the principle, then you know we have to adjust accordingly. Uh, the problem is when when that the you know the the the, the sentiment I'm talking about sentiment maybe certain details it's good it's hard it's it should be preserved to a point to the point where it doesn't become counterproductive. If it becomes counterproductive, then you've got another uh, problem that you have to address. So I don't there's not a problem. In, in, in doing that, hmm? you also have to see the relativity of it, that this is the founding acharya, not of the Sampradaya, but of our institution. We do it like this here. doesn't mean that it has to be done like this everywhere, or wherever it's done differently, that it, that, that it, it shouldn't be honored. It should be seen as, oh, okay. If there are other institutions, which, for example, now there are... Um, uh, after Prabhupada's departure, there are different institutions in the West and around the world. Then you realize I'm not the only I'm not the only group on the block, and there are some other ways of doing it. And they they involve uh, sentiments for other acharyas who have come and influenced devotees and have formed groups. And um, and hey, you know, uh, there's you go down the street. There's there's a whole street of shoe stores, and you know, and coat stores and whatnot, you know, so there's many minds in the marketplace, right? So there's room for different expressions, different sentiments, as I said earlier, within the same uh, philosophy. And so then you begin to, you know, you, you can just deny all that and get fanatical. That's where it becomes a problem. And then you start conflating the founder acharya of the institution with the founder acharya of the Sampradaya. And then, you know, whoever's not following the founder of Siddhartha, the Sampradaya, Founder Charya the Sampradayas must not be in the Sampradaya. We can just dismiss them, and then you start living on an you know on, on an on an island that that uh, that uh, where nothing grows, and you're not going to get nourished. Um, whereas you could be you know in the mix of of a plurality of institutions with nuanced approaches to the same teaching, nuanced expressions of it, and appreciate the beauty of that the the ornamentation. Of the of the of the tree of the one singular tree hmm? that uh, uh, unifies us all. Hmm? Um, so and you know again that's a problem when you misconstrue details for principles and uh, and you don't understand these points clearly. So uh, you take Sri Dharmesh for example, he was a natural Sikh guru for Prabhupada's disciples, whom Prabhupada opened the door, cracked open the door, you know, to uh, to his moth for us to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was he was very concerned to preserve the sentiments of uh, Prabhupada's disciples in terms of how they were expressed in the formation of different uh, uh, um, practices um, in ISKCON. He didn't want to interfere with any of that. Mm-hmm. He very much appreciated that. They do it like this. Oh, huh. He must have been thinking like this. He would say, "Hmm, all right. Well, it could, could be done like that. Yeah, you know, he would, he would, huh? Okay." And um, he, so, so he was, you know, that was a was a. Uh, it's a valid concern. I had um, made a pitch for unity in the past. I have, and uh, and uh, my pitch was that that. Um, for Prabhupada society, the way in which it could be unified with other Gaudiya sects 
and not at the cost of its own distinct feeling and um Govindam Adipurusham Tamam. You know, they sing that every morning at seven o'clock. It's not happening in any other institution. It's not wrong. It's quite nice. But it's, it's not like you got to do it at that time or Krishna doesn't like you or something like that. You know, so so to preserve those things, hmm, so that the question in some, some sense becomes how do we preserve these things if we bring, invite some other acharya to come and speak here, you know, or. We have to keep them all out to pres- to keep all to preserve this because he does things different, and so, so that so there's a you know you have to be able to preserve the differences and find some unity. So my idea was that the unity is the philosophy. Hmm? So um, Prabhupada, for example, set up his own mission with the Achinti Beta Beta equation, in that he took the institution. And he took the book trust and he formed them as separate corporate legal entities. Hmm? And um, and the the mission was made up of many uh, different individual corporations as well. There was ISKCON of Chicago, ISKCON of Los Angeles, ISKCON of New York, ISKCON of Timbuktu, and uh, and so forth. Right? Each of those was was independent. And the independence was not originally thought of by him as a legal plus. Hmm? I mean, probably wasn't thinking, well, if the guys go off the wall in Los Angeles and they get sued, then New York could get sued too if it's all the same corporation, which is true. But it's not like Prabhupada was some kind of corporate, you know, guy figuring all that stuff out. His reason for wanting them to be separate um, corporately or in, you know, in, in, in every way with the same stamp of unity, it's ISKCON of Chicago, it's ISKCON of New York, was that he wanted indi- to, to, to encourage individual expression, that each temple had its own leadership and it would express itself within certain parameters which are, constitute the philosophy, and they'd have that, that room to do that. Hmm? He was very concerned about that. Um, um one time I was in Vrindavan and uh and I heard that Prabhupada was gonna cook for himself that day. So I went down to, to see him and he was sitting there and I and he said yes and I said, Prabhupada heard that you were gonna cook. And that's so I came. I wanted to experience your, your cooking. I wanted to see it, you know. And Prabhupada chuckled and he said he said so they're cooking nicely. I'm not where he heard that, <laughs> and uh, so then we began to talk and 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 whatnot. And then um, a godbrother of mine, Gopa Vrindapal, was um, had seen, I guess, that I went there or some, and he heard that Trip Ramesh was talking to Prabhupada, and so he came in because I'm a book distrib- was a book distributor. And he was a book distributor, and he had some ideas about book distribution that he was trying to promote and get, uh, you know. Um, support for, and so forth, apparently. And so one of his main concerns was that devotees were sometimes saying things that weren't well thought out when they were selling the books, and he wanted to, like, kind of litigate or legislate or form some way of making sure that the devotees, you know, give them, these are the things that you can say hmm, when, you, when you're distributing books and not this and, and so forth. And 
um, I was more like freelance, you know, and I would go come up, come up with things at different times, you know, and then Prabhupada sometimes would hear them and say, and Tripuri Marshi is saying, you know, yes, there is environmental crisis, and we have the solution, Krishna, reservoir of pleasure, you know, whatever, you know, and he would chuckle and so forth. So, so Prabhupada said, no, you cannot do that, he said. Every, everyone is individual, so the bhakti will come to them and then they will express. You have to give them room to express their own individual. Hmm. I don't want to you know, dictate what they will have to say. They will read the book. They will, it was a little bit Protestant, if you get the inspiration and then you, know, you say it. And at, even at the cost, was his point, that they might say something wrong. Still, they're selling the book. The book's not wrong, so the guy got the book. Okay. Even if the representative was not mature enough to present it, you know, thoroughly or accurately or something, still he was trying and he was growing in the trying, and 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 so he would rather the guy might make say, say something wrong, still he sells the book, than try to just clamp down them and give them these rote things that they should say or shouldn't say, and so he's very strong in that point. And he said, just like our trip Primarch. Yes, Krishna is giving him so many things in his heart, what to say, and he's saying them. Hmm? And then Gopavarana Paul says, well, you know, that Tamal Krishnamar said that you gave quotas to all the devotees on his party that, for collecting, and he said, he has that, I have not said that. <laughs> I have not, that is Tamal Krishnamar, <laughs> just as an aside. So, so the point is that Prabhupada wanted, in his own words, independently thoughtful Persons, people could think spiritually, spiritually, and you know, land on their feet. That's what he wanted, even if it meant you know, like you get a child to get up, you don't say, "Don't walk until we know you can walk," <laughs> because you might fall down. You know, well, you're young enough, you can fall on your butt, and it's not going to hurt. You know, it's not not too much anyway. And then, so you try. So that was his style. He wanted each temple individual. Hmm? But, he, but the book trust, that was another thing. That had to be singular and one philosophy, had standard on the books and what the, what the quality of the printing would be um, and so forth. So um, uh, that was one corporation and all the ISKCON corporations were individual different corporations which were supposed to be expressions, beta, different expressions of the abeda, the one philosophy. So anyway, my suggestion was the way in which you can bring unity with all the budding different groups and so forth out there is that make your book publishing, Prabhupada's book publishing arm, the BBT, that corporation, all that he wanted it to be, which was to be the premier printing house or publishing organ for Vaishnavism in the world. Hmm? And so you should make it such that any Vaishnava who's written a book feels, if I could get this published by the BBT, okay, I've really gotten somewhere. You know, they've got a circulation system, ortho- unorthodox as it is. <laughs> My book will go everywhere. It's going to be published in a fine quality. Because they do quality work. It's going to be edited properly. It's going to be tied on the, 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 the Siddhanta and so forth. So he wanted that. And, and 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 so whether whether you're from, what to speak of any Godia, any Godia person's got a book and they, you know they they can maybe they don't have enough money to publish so they just publish it a, a few 
thousand copies printed in India and it's going to fall apart in a year. I mean, Indian publishing and presses have improved <laughs> in recent decades, but it used to be like that. Um, you know, they didn't have state-of-the-art printing uh, facilities and so forth. Um, so, so this Maharaj over here, he's got a book and he submits it to the BBT. And it's is it the point? The question is only this: Is it Krishna conscious? Yes. We publish it. We want to see it circulated. Hmm. Is it correct? Is it, it, yes. How many books you want? How many authors you want? Hmm. Should there just be one author to the BBT? That's not what Prabhupada envisioned. Hmm. Um, so, therefore, you get this guy's mod, that guy's institution, this guy's over here, these acharyas, saints, holy people, whatever, and they, and they they publish, publish their books of the BBT, we're unified with them like that, and then each of us has our own differences in terms of how we preserve the sentiment of our acharya, the feeling for him, and, and so forth. And so Isk and I thought had this capacity through the BBT to forge this this kind of unity, hmm? Hmm? and uh, and then of course, if but what if somebody read one of their books and then wanted to be with them? Well, it's a fair market, you know. That's a fair market principle. Preaching is a fair market, so get out there and preach. If, as a result, someone preaches better than you, then they're going to people are going to go to them. Then you have impetus to do better, to learn from them, and so forth. And if all you can do is say, you know, this person's got a new book and it's good, and people like to follow it, and they want to join him rather than join your institution, they got the book from your publishing house, but they want to join another institution. It's a problem. Hmm? No, it's not a problem. If, it, if the book was Krishna conscious. That was your determination and you publish it. It's not a problem because that's what you are spreading, Krishna consciousness. Hmm? And you have a part in that. You've done a part. You've helped them to find their guru. Who are you? I mean, are you important? Are you doing the right thing? Certainly you are. But what if we don't have... People are not joining. Maybe they will join you because you have this attitude like we are the people that people come to our book publishing, and, and, and if we ratify it, then people think we're bona fide. Hmm? We're the ones that are saying, he's bona fide, she's bona fide, she's bona fide, he's bona fide. Maybe you want to be with them hmm? then. And if you are like that, then you're going to be more spiritually dynamic and alive, and people are going to want to join your, your group too. And they might want to join other groups as well. And somebody, you know, it, it's a fair market. So get out there and preach. And who are, if you've got, you know, better shoes across the street than people are going to buy from me. So what do you think? And you got to get a new model. You know, you got you got to get, you know, something going. You know, that, that's that's competition is good in that sense. It's healthy. And I'm talking about it in a happy and a wholesome, wholesome way. And uh, that way you, you, you forge a unity without compromising the diversity of your mood and so forth. I also suggested, hey, you know, if you really want to unify people, devotees, in Iskon around Prabhupada and his uniqueness, then, well, uh, you know, make a case for, in our mission, we got Sakyarasa coming from Prabhupada. That's what makes us different. Now, no one can argue with those kind of differences. That's very sweet. Oh, this is very prominent over here, this influence. Hmm. That's very sweet. 
and you can say we're different. We we if you want to follow Prabhupada, then if I, <laughs> that then you can make a case like that, and then it, you can have these differences then that were beautiful, charming, and they would be uh, appropriate uh, uh, interface um, amongst Gaudi institutions, complementing one another. I mean, how you think that how you think that guy's going to feel? Even if, if if you printed his book, and as a result of it, even let's say the the problem as it's seen, somebody reads his book and joins his group. I mean, he's joined the Krishna consciousness movement, right? Right. It may be even such that he might say, "Look, you know, by the way, they got more facility than me, so go there. Hmm? Read my book, you like it, you go there, stay in their group, and you know they they you live in Florida, well, they got a place over there. You know, I live over here in India, so." It, it, and then, and then of course, you know, he's going to want to follow the, the, you know, whatever the guidelines of the group are, and so forth. And but they don't include things that are not Krishna conscious. Hmm? Then there's not a problem. So the only one problem, and that is shortage of Krishna consciousness. There's no other problem. <laughs> and uh, what I'm talking about, this is Krishna consciousness. This is this is this. this uh, um, if you don't think you're the only guy in the block, people may think you're the guy in the block we should you know, be with. If you think I'm the only guy in the block, intelligent people are going to say, you know, that, that's the kind of sectarianism I didn't want to get involved with from the beginning. That doesn't uh, doesn't make sense. So all these things are important uh, can be done. You can have your own institution. You can have your founder, Acharya, of your institution and have a mood like that. And it's it's wonderful. Do it. Preserve it. But not in the way that it conflicts with the teaching, not in the way that it plays out into offending some other Vaishnav. Hmm. That's where it becomes a problem. This is where very Kanishtadikari kind of thinking and concern for maintenance. How are we going to pay the bills? You know. Yeah. He joined over there instead of over here. Anyway, you know, we need him to collect money. You know, <laughs> that's not. We're not making disciples to make sure we got chapatis in our old age. You know, that's not that's not an insurance policy that we're life insurance policy that we're working on here. Hmm. So that's where it's you know that's that's where you're in, when, you, when you fall into that. If it happens, your institution starts to become the kind of things that Bhakti Siddhanta was revolting against hmm. with his Gaudiamat. That's what he was, you know, being confronted with in 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 kind of worst case scenarios. Institutions. Uh, I said he formed an institution, but they were they were institutions of Nityananda's family. Advaita's that's a kind of institution, I guess you could say. Advaita's family. We come in the bloodline of, of Advaita. You got to come through us. And they're fighting with the Nityananda Vamsa. And, uh, and some guy says, "I'm from Nityananda's family. You will do well to drink my urine. That's how well you should follow me." And people would, were saying things like that. <laughs> Bhakti Siddhanta, this is just abuse, you know, in the name of, of people, in the name of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So there are lesser forms of the similar um, abuse, if you will, that really need to be militated, militated, militated against. You have to really be on the watch for this. This doesn't creep in and, and start to turn your institution, your group, whatever it is, into something um, mundane. Hmm? Even while you're going through all the motions of what appears to be uh, uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, right?
I don't see your question. You know, there needs to be there. There's a good place for it. Or you don't need institutions, too. That's another approach to it, you know. You may, you may not. Someone like Narada or somebody or, or Gervas, who just had all the, I guess, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Teach Gaudi Vaishnavism and let people take it and live their lives. Come visit every now and then. <laughs> well, if you, you don't have to provide him jobs and everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, Prabhupada was trying to do that kind of a thing, and that was, you know, the broader institutional idea that was 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 good. But you know, his idea was that they would all move into the country and have these farm projects that were self-sufficient and start sound like Amish kind of communities, which would be kind of cool, actually. Mm-hmm. And that would be Krishna West. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it would be a nice example, actually. Um, you'd have a little more philosophy than Amish people, you know, to work with, and, uh, and a nice uh, lifestyle. And boil the milk, right? You'd have to. I mean, the cows <laughs> uh, boil that milk. Keep busy. But uh, you know that he didn't get that far. That and he lamented that he couldn't uh, establish those kind of uh, communities, hmm. full, complete communities. Um. So, what else? What's the time? Okay, well, we've gone over time. All right. Shishi Goradamada Vakijai, Gauri Vashnav Guru Parampara Kijai, Gaur Bhakta Brinda Kijai, Gaur Premanam Kijai.